from D. James Kennedy Ministries. This is Kennedy Classics. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. Hello, I'm Frank Wright, president of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. I invite you to download our ministry app for your smartphone or other mobile device. You can watch all of our programs as well as access daily devotionals, Bible versions, and evangelism training materials. And it's all free. Just go to the App Store on your mobile device and search for D. James Kennedy Ministries. One of the leading scientists in classical antiquity was the Greek mathematician Archimedes. In demonstrating the principle of mechanical leverage, Archimedes once said, Give me a lever long enough, a fulcrum, and a firm place to stand, and I shall move the earth. Well, when it comes to engaging the world around us, we too need a firm place to stand. And that metaphorical place is what we call our world and life view, or simply our biblical worldview. It is this worldview that shapes our understanding of everything we see in our earthly existence. For example, when you look at the world around you, what do you see? Do you see order or do you see chaos? Do you see mankind as being inherently good or as being corrupted by evil? Do you see the source of human knowledge as being only natural or supernatural? When you look at our sin-sick world, do you see despair or do you see hope? The answers to all these questions come from your worldview. Dr. Kennedy speaks about that worldview and shows us that there really is only one safe place to stand in his message, The Christian World and Life View. Our scripture lesson this morning is taken from the 11th chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans. Romans chapter 11, we'll begin our reading with the 33rd verse. May we hear the word of our God. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out! For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been His counselor? Or who hath first given to Him? And it shall be recompensed unto Him again. For of Him and through Him And to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. May God speak to us today through this portion of his holy word, and may his name ever be praised. Amen. A Christian world and life view. Now that's not a phrase that is probably intimately familiar to many of you. Perhaps you know it by the German term, 
It's Weltanschauung. No, that's no more familiar, is it? In fact, less. What is a world and life view? A Weltanschauung. Well, let me tell you, you've got one. Everybody has one. Many people just sort of absorb them as they go through life. They not critically examine them. They just are things they have come to believe in. A world and life view is a set of assumptions or presuppositions that determine the way that we look at the world, ourselves, and our place in the world. And these largely determine how we consider everything that comes down the path. What is your world and life view like? Is it a Christian world and life view? Or is it a non-Christian, anti-Christian? There is the Christian world and life view, and then there are a number of other world and life views that are all arrayed against the Christian view. Chuck Colson says, what is the major challenge today? In the broadest categories, it is a conflict in our day between theism and naturalism. Now, naturalism has nothing to do with wildlife or vitamins. It has to do with the idea that nature is all there is, that there's nothing in the universe but matter, materialism. That is one world view. The fact is, he says, that this indeed is what we use to explain most everything else. What is the most fundamental question? What does the universe consist of? Is it only matter? Is ultimate reality God or the cosmos? You remember Carl Sagan, a very rabid evolutionist and naturalist in his famous 10-part series, Cosmos, aired on, on educational TV a number of times. In the first sentence, he makes this clear statement. The cosmos is all there ever was, or is, or is to be. Now that is a worldview. It is a purely naturalistic, materialistic, evolutionary, and atheistic worldview. I say it's a worldview because it is an assumption. It is not the result of any scientific test. He has never seen that there was never anything beside the cosmos. He does not know that there is nothing beyond it. He most certainly does not know that there is no God, that there is no supernatural element. What is the ultimate reality? Is it matter and the cosmos, or is it God and his revelation? Those two views have been for the last several centuries in very direct conflict in our time. Now, may I point out that every worldview is based upon faith. It's based upon some kind of assumptions or presuppositions that we probably have never proved. Many of them cannot even be proved. They're based upon faith. As one writer said, every human being has faith in something which faith affects his understanding of everything. 
A scientist operates by faith. Some have had the candor to admit it. Others would deny it vehemently. But we have seen in the last several centuries since the French Enlightenment, back in the 1780s, the rise of rationalism. Now, that's not to say anything about reason. We should be rational and reasonable, but rationalism is the idea that reason is the only source of knowledge and understanding, and it rules out entirely faith in God or in his world, in his word. But uh, rationalism, naturalism, materialism, atheism are all based upon evolutionism. Though the Enlightenment was 50 years before Darwin, they struggled to try to get some kind of worldview together, but not with great success until Darwin provided for them in The Origin of the Species a comprehensive worldview that made atheism for the first time palatable and something that could be talked about in public. And so this view has been promulgated in Western society for the last 150 years like few things have been. And at its core, it is atheistic, it is evolutionary, it is relativistic, materialistic, secularistic in that it's only of this world. Secularism, as you may know, comes from the Latin word secularis, which means life as conceived without any relationship to eternity or to God. That's secularism. This smoked plastic dome that has been settled down upon the city of man does not allow him to see past death into the future. Is there a heaven? Is there a hell? He cannot know. Is there a God? The dome is too smoky. I cannot see up to God. I cannot see out into the future. That is secularism. And this nation and this world, the Western world, has been overwhelmingly secularized in a Darwinian, atheistic, materialistic life. And this is being promulgated in virtually all of the schools in this nation from kindergarten through graduate school. Dumphy in the Humanist magazine said some time ago, listen to this, the classroom must and will become an arena of conflict between the old and the new, the rotting corpse of Christianity, together with all of its adjacent evils, and the new faith of humanism, resplendent in its promise of a world in which the never-realized Christian ideal of love thy neighbor will be finally achieved. And, he says, the teacher must become as zealous as the most fundamental evangelist in propagating this faith to every student. Oh, they may learn about God and heaven in Sunday school, but five days a week we have them right here in our schools. 
Well, maybe you didn't know you had a fundamentalist, evangelist, teacher propagating atheistic humanism in your schools. Christians have always believed that God is the measure of all things, that God tells us what is good and what is bad, what is right and what is wrong. God tells us where to go and how to get there. But that is rejected by humanism and man because becomes the judge of all things. He decides what is moral and what is immoral, what is virtuous and what is not, what is evil and what is good, what is right and what is wrong. And that has led to catastrophic consequences in our world. Ah, yes, the Enlightenment period began with two ideas, great ideas, if they were true in them, and that was, they were, one, the inherent goodness of man, and the second one was the inevitability of moral progress, progress of every sort in the world. And that was to lead to the golden age. At the beginning of the 20th century, there were those who were saying, the golden age is upon us. It is coming. Every day in every way, we are getting better and better and better. And then came World War I. And the blood flowed in the trenches of France. And then World War II, Iwo Jima, Bataan, Corregidor, and all of the rest. And then the Cold War and communism spread across the world like a blight, killing millions. And among the deaths was the death of the idea of the inherent goodness of man. How could such inhumanity to man possibly be true in a world where there is no bad boy and no bad man. The inevitable progress ended in a fiery crash and the golden age turned into the bloody age. And the marvelous romantic picture of humanism indeed died. It has well been said. Again, Damore describes it well, that the humanistic mentality of Western man since the Renaissance has been this belief in the inherent goodness of man and the inevitability of his progress. But the shocking revelations of the 20th century have pretty well burst that bubble. And especially in the latter half of the 20th century, it is apparent that the once proud dogmas of optimistic humanism are dead and buried and have been replaced by a mood of cynicism and despair. You remember the death of God movement? It's all part of this. Well, it's interesting man didn't realize that when he was throwing things at God, he was throwing boomerangs. They came back and hit him in the head. God is very much alive, but non-Christian man is in a state of morbid decay and despair. 
He comes closer and closer to nihilism and despair as he becomes more self-conscious of the logical consequences of his view. The Bible says that those that hate me love death. And in the non-Christian world today, there has been developing a culture of death. It is not God who has died. He is very much alive, but it is man who is dying. Death. Modern man longs for death. We have in most all of our schools in America today classes on suicide. The French philosopher Camus said, the only philosophical idea worth consideration today is suicide. Hemingway embraced it. Camus endorsed it. And thousands have followed in their train. Preoccupation with death is a distinguishing mark of our time. Indeed, when you have the death of hope and materialism and humanism are hopeless views of life. When you have the death of hope, that leads to the hope for death. And many people have discovered that. They have discovered that life in the humanistic world, the atheistic world, is not worth living. Samuel Beckett, the playwright, put it this way, How am I, a, an atemporal being, imprisoned in time and space, how am I to escape from my imprisonment when I know that outside of time and space is nothing? And I know that I also, in the ultimate depths of reality, I am nothing also. How far removed is that from the Christian view that we have been made in the image of God, that God has placed eternity in our hearts, that God has given his own son to redeem us from our sin and has prepared for us a place in paradise forever and ever? that we have a glorious calling in this life to glorify God and to enjoy him forever, to be co-workers of Christ in the redemption of the world. Life has meaning and life has purpose and life has a glorious future. And none of the godless worldviews offer anything but despair at the end. The director of the British Humanist Association. Note that well. This is not some Christian minister's opinion. This is the opinion of one of the world's leaders of the humanist movement. This is H.J. Blackham. And he said that the most drastic objection to humanism is what? I would love to ask a bunch of college students that question, wouldn't you? You remember the glorious picture of what humanism was going to produce over against the rotting corpse of Christianity, the new, the glorious, the vibrant picture of humanism was to captivate the minds of people. Well, here's one, what one of the world's leading humanists 
says. The most potent objection that can be raised to humanism is that it's just too bad to be true. Wow. But you know, how many times I've heard the objection when I have proclaimed the gospel, people have said to me, oh, that's just too good to be true. What a marvelous contrast that is. Too bad to be true or too good to be true. But marabale dictu, marvelous to tell the gospel as glorious and wonderful as it is, is true. It is truth itself. It is the truth of God. It has been established by all manner of empirical evidences. And it stands against all of the onslaughts of unbelievers. What is your worldview, my friend? Have you embraced Christ? Have you invited him into your heart as Lord and Savior of your life? Do you know why you're here and what you're to do and where you're going? Do you have an everlasting certainty and hope in your heart of paradise? Or are you looking at nothing but the darkness of the grave? The Christian world in life view is glorious beyond our full understanding. I hope it is yours. May we pray. Father, we thank thee that what seems to many too good to be true is, and it is the most glorious truth that this world has ever known. It is the good news of everlasting life to the sons of Adam made by Christ into the children of God. And, O oh Lord Jesus, should there be any here that are yet in the wastelands of humanistic unbelief, May they have their eyes opened and see thee in all of thy glory and love upon the cross and say, come, Lord Jesus Christ, deliver me from this darkness and despair and grant me the glorious, brilliant hope of everlasting life with thee. I surrender myself to thee. I repent of my sins. I confess my unworthiness and I cast myself upon thee. Nothing in my hands I bring simply to thy cross I cling. In thy name, amen. For those who know Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, there is peace even in the midst of the upheavals and uncertainties of this life. Do you know peace? Do you know joy? Or are you living in fear for what tomorrow may bring? You don't have to. Today, you can turn your life over to Jesus Christ who has come to give you life filled with peace and joy. To do that, we can go to Him together in prayer right now, saying, Lord Jesus Christ, I want to know the peace that You have come to give. I want to know the joy of salvation that You paid for on the cross. Thank you for dying for my sins and forgiving me and cleansing me and giving me hope eternal. I place my trust in you 
from this day forward. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, we have a book written by Dr. Kennedy to help you grow in your understanding of the Christian faith. It's called Beginning Again, and it's yours when you write to our address or call our toll-free number. Just ask for Beginning Again, and may God richly bless you. As Dr. Kennedy shared, in the end, all godless worldviews offer nothing but despair. But the Christian worldview is glorious beyond our own understanding. Today, in our country, it seems that many are living their lives apart from the Christian worldview, with no moral standard at all. John Adams said that our Constitution could only govern a moral and religious people, and yet federal courts have driven any mention of God out of virtually every vestige of public life. In fact, Judges are rewriting the Constitution with little regard to the text itself. Well, what can you and I do to stop this? We have a brand new resource that you really need to have. Former Congressman John Hostetler, who represented Indiana for six terms in the House of Representatives, has written a new booklet entitled, Change the Senate, Change America. This short book will help you understand how the office of the vice president has largely untapped constitutional powers to set and guide the agenda of the Senate, which could make a massive change in our nation, particularly on confirming good constitutional judges. To get your own copy, simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 888-332-3069, or go online to djkm.org. America's Christian roots have unfortunately been chipped away, even to the point where people deny America was even founded as a Christian nation. Yet God's hand has always been alongside our great country, far before America was even discovered. And we have yet another great resource to go with the booklet that you also need to have. It's Dr. Kennedy's sermon, America's Greatest Hero. In this message, Dr. Kennedy describes the one who did more for our freedom and for the establishment of a Christian nation here than anyone else. Dr. Kennedy takes you on a tour through history and looks at the sovereign acts of God in the world, an almighty God who has purposed to establish a Christian nation. We will send you John Hostetler's Change the Senate and Change America booklet and Dr. Kennedy's America's Greatest Hero DVD as our thanks for your generous donation of $50 or more to the ongoing work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 888-332-3069, or you can go online to djkm.org. I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for joining us for this edition 
of Kennedy Classics. We'll see you next time. Today's program is available on DVD for your gift to this ministry of any amount. Please call, write, or log on to our website today. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.